Hello everyone and welcome back to the Between Realities VR podcast. Yeah, baby. It's the best podcast in the world. Welcome. Thanks for being here. Uh, my name is Alex VR. I'm one half of the Between Realities host, the other half of the Between Realities host sitting next to me. It's Skiva. What's up, dude? What's up, brother? How are you, man? Doing great. Awesome. Yeah. Things are very cool. Very cool. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, it's an exciting day for us Nintendo fans. Zelda Tears of the Kingdom has come out, so oh, right, right. I don't know how much VR uh, will be happening this weekend for me, um, but you know, I secured the bag, got the collector's edition in hand, which is awesome. I didn't get the Pro Controller, which I really wanted, but mm. you know, I'm still trying. If you see me on my phone during the show today, you know what I'm trying to do. I'm <laughs> refreshing Amazon, <laughs> trying to get it. I'm excited to hear your thoughts on it, dude, because this will be the officially the very first Zelda game since the beginning of zelda that i haven't played um you've made the full transition You're well i haven't and and if i didn't have things that i'm dying to play i would i would still come out and play that game i just can't get away from mostly ghost of tabor like it's all i can think about i dream about it at night like it's, it's, a, <laughs> it's a serious sickness so yeah i mean it is what it is and maybe eventually i'll you know when when i get when there's a lull for me Maybe yeah. I'll, I'll hop in for a minute and see. But I'm looking to you to tell me if it's like really worth like putting that kind of time into. I'm sure it is, dude. I'm it's sure just it sell is. the game. Yeah, like, you know, and like I've seen, yeah. I've seen like initial reviews and it's yeah. just like 10 out of 10, 10 out of 10, yeah. 9 and a half, 9 Same. and a half, 10. It's like, all right, yeah. well, I mean, you yeah. know, I'm assuming, don't, don't, I don't know. I'm assuming this is like coming from like legit journalists, you know, like yeah. legit reviewers who are like not just saying it's a 10 because it's yeah. sell the game, you know, which I think could be easy to do. You know, yeah, you just like give it the benefit of the doubt. Yep. You're just like, nah, it's Zelda. I love it. That's all. That's it. Yeah, but True. Uh, yeah, but you know, before the show, Skiva was saying he's like, it's when Nintendo enters VR that. Oh yeah, I'll be back. I'll be back for sure. For sure. I love Mario. I love Mario games. I love Zelda. Uh, I love every IP that they've really ever dived into. And yeah, um, their stuff is always a certain quality that that I just love. Their mechanics, their game mechanics, they always nail them. So yeah. Um, yeah, I'm stoked, dude. Should be good, yep. you know. Um, yeah. But uh, I'll talk more about that on my Nintendo podcast. <laughs> I don't have, but I I could easily do. <laughs> um, in the meantime, I think we should start to get into things today. Hello, everyone who's joining us for the live broadcast of uh, today's episode. It's going to be a good episode for sure. Um, I've got Ryan B as the first in the chat for me, setting the alarm to make sure he makes it here on time. That's what I'm talking yeah. about. Everybody, open up your phones, open up your calendar app Friday. This time, just block it off, okay? <laughs> Every Friday repeating for the next five months. Yeah, we got to do it, so so do you. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> open up your calendar, or we'll send you a calendar invite. Give us your email. <laughs> uh, Substatica is here. What's up? Uh, Ashley Huffman in the chat. Hyped. What's up, hey, bro? What's up, Ashley? Hey, how do you like this T-shirt? Huh? Right? I bet you, uh, you're liking this T-shirt right now, because I know I am. I'm loving the team. <laughs> Haptics Club, baby. First guest ever on the Haptics Club. You're looking at him. Boom. Right? That's like wow. my number one accolade. Heck yeah. Yeah. That's I'm, amazing. They're going to they're gonna put that on my gravestone. Was the first guest on oh, definitely. Haptics Club. That's what you're known for. That is it. Paradise Decay. I hope you've got your cornflakes and coffee, bro. <laughs> Getting <laughs> things Diddy. done. What's up, bro? Hey, Jay Dunn. What's up? So in this week's adventures of uh, Jay Dunn and Joy Rain hang out with the Milans. That's my last <laughs> name, by the way, everybody. If you never want to know how to pronounce it. It's Miland. Uh, we did Demio. It was their first time playing Demio. Oh, sick. Did yep. they love it? They did. 
And wow. even Joy Reem was like, yo, I gotta, I gotta tell you, like, I wasn't, I didn't think I was gonna like this. Yeah. And uh, yeah. it's kind of sick. Nice. <laughs> Joy Reem, by the way, just released her very first uh, fully done by her YouTube video. Um, oh, nice. So yeah, go check it out. It's on her channel. It's on, she and has her own separate channel? I believe she does. Uh, Jay John, maybe you can drop a link in the chat to that, to that video. Do that. Um, yeah, that'd be cool. Do that, man, I, I forgot my clamp. For my oh yeah, just grab it and like for my mic stand pull it up. today, and it's just I'm like it I'm, should I've got it this should other like, thing. <laughs> you should be able to uh, just manhandle yeah, it. I mean I can, but I'm it's I feel like it's in as good of a spot okay. as, gonna, as it can cool. be. Yeah, but, <laughs> yeah, there's like a clamp that you need to attach it to a table, and I forgot to bring it, so I'm I'm stuck with the uh, the backup. Oops, but at least I have this. I feel good about it. Um, Q Creator says the weekend. You are damn right, dude. You are damn right. Great to see you, brother. Awesome Tatum's in the house. Yes, highly anticipated lo-fi. Oh, we're going to get into that, baby. Oh, can't wait. We're about to get into it. Duggars K sliding in early weekend winning. Dude. Heck yeah. Couldn't have said it any better. Wolveraza is in the house. What's up, man? Good to see you. Getting things done. Yeah. Hey, hey, hey. Already, already shouted that out. Yep. Chi-Town D. Yo. What's up, D? Chi-Town D doing her own things. Streaming, getting out there. I love to see it. Yeah. Uh, Alan Moore is in the house. What's up, Alan Moore? Thanks for joining us hey, here Alan. on Between Realities. Uh, Creeper Betty. Yeah, girl. What's up, Betty? Yeah, girl. Hey, I haven't forgotten about my Ghost of Tabor uh, like, merch kit. I hope you haven't either. I'm going to send you my address and some money for shipping soon. Uh, James is here. What's up, James? Good to see you, bro. Red slash Ace in the hey, house. That's right, up? baby. That is right. Uh, Decepticon. Oh, yeah. What's up? That's right, baby. Decepticon in the house. I love to see it. Um, Destiny 11. Hey, hey, hey. Good to see you, Destiny 11. Hey, Destiny. Space Denizen in the house. Void Citizen. He's been talking about uh, Zenith in uh, the Discord. I think oh, he's yes. back and do it. See, that's another thing. Like, this is why I can't get back into Zelda because, like, I games like Zenith take so much time. There's new classes. There's full body tracking. There's, like, pets you can catch. There's so much cool stuff in there. I want to get in and, and do some of the new quests that I haven't seen. And, uh, yeah. you know, there's just a lot. And I want to try it's it on PlayStation VR. You know, so I'm gonna see yeah, if I can figure out. I did. Out it it looks beautiful. Those HDR displays with that with that color palette that they use, really pretty. Yeah. Do yeah. you do you think it's I should play it on PlayStation or well, should I just I play mean, it on Steam? It's up to you, right? Like you can't use full body, body tracking on PlayStation. Uh, not that not, not that, that you I would, do. but like you know, options like that aren't there. I I still prefer to play it on my index. I think. Just because it's more comfortable, larger field of view, higher frame rates. Man, maybe I'll borrow but, some of these trackers and try it out. That sounds like a yeah, good Yeah, I way definitely to do don't it. have enough of them. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> li like a literal pile of trackers right there. <laughs> like, literal, actual pile. Um, so anyway, yeah, Zenith, new update just happened. Yep. I think it was today, right? Mm, yesterday? Today? It might have been yesterday the day before. It was very, really, very really soon. Yeah. It was recent. Recent virtual Steve's yep. in the house. Saying, What's up, Steve? Uh, he's got to work late today, uh, but he's gonna be <sighs> listening back. Thanks, Sorry. dude. Classy grandma's here. Whoop whoop. That's right, girl. Classy What's grandma. What's up, Classy? Todd from Q2C VR Gamers in the house. Todd, what's Our up, buddy? For sure. Can't wait to see you in a couple weeks, dude. Right? AWE is right around the corner. I can't wait. This is my AWE is my Disney World. I am stoked. The Augmented World Expo for anyone that doesn't know, it's an expo only for AR, VR, XR, all the R's. All of them. All of them. Every R. Good stuff. Snow Toad, what's up, man? Good to see you. Just like the the king of the crew cast. Yeah. What's up, Snow Toad? How are you? <laughs> Literally has distributed like fifty memberships to crew cast. <laughs> Unbelievable. 
Uh, Amelia Faust is in the house. Hey, Amelia, how are you? And Z Storm, of course, as well. Z Dahomey will also be at AWE crashing at our Airbnb with us. Dude, party at our Airbnb, by the way. We're going to lose the security deposit on that thing. Oh, yeah. (laughs) It is what it is. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, Hey, Gamertag VR sliding in here as well, man. Hey, GT, what's up, buddy? Good to see you, dude. Um, Genesee Qua, also. Hi. Hey, what's up, Kata? But just in time. Perfect timing, because <laughs> we are going to introduce today's guest, which, I mean, I'm Steve, I'm glad you're not a betting man, because I bet you would have bet your left nut that <laughs> we weren't going to have this guy on our show, and here we are. At today. one time, at one time I would have, until I really got to know him, <laughs> and that all changed. And, and, it's, and it's a beautiful story, it really is. Um, Paul, VR Realm, good to see you. Mickey, hey, what's Mickey up, Bear Paul? as well, thanks, brother. Mickey Bear, what's up, buddy? How are you? All right, so today's guest is the, uh, the developer of... Techno Lust previously and the upcoming Lo-Fi getting ready to drop on PC VR platforms and PlayStation 5, PlayStation VR 2. Um, he goes by Anti-Cleric on Twitter. And if you're in VR and you're on Twitter, I have a feeling you probably have seen this guy's tweets before. Uh, he's a big part of the VR community. Everybody, please welcome to Between Realities, Blair Renault. What's up, dude? Hey. Hey. What's up, dude? Good, man. How are you? Good. Awesome. Thanks for joining us, dude. This yeah. is this is uh, you know we kind of decided when we met up in VRTO that this was an episode that uh, was going to eventually end up happening, and that was like some months months. It was ago. in like July, so we're coming up. Yeah, coming up on a year. Traveled out to Canada, went to Virtual Reality Toronto, which is a which is a um, a cool, smaller, very different type of uh, VR expo where they focus on uh, everything from like um you know vr video production more of the you know uh it, how would you describe vrto that more the artsy indie kind of side of of vr and um, rock is what uh kieran the the guy who runs it i think he would say yeah it's more of like a punk show it's like yeah the misfits and the weirdos and the people people kind of on the edge you know yeah this is and this is so true and Karim, who we have had on our show before too such an incredible dude uh amazing part of the community and is really like pushing to move vr forward in you know in all different kinds of ways not just games that but, dude he's you know he is a smart guy man. very like just like yeah. picking his brain a little bit like he's able to provide perspective in conversations that mm-hmm. like not everyone can Yep. You know, like I like to just like throw out radical ideas and theories and stuff like that sometimes. And a lot, of, most of the time people are just like, oh, wow, that's cool. Yeah. And like, that's about it. But Karim would like push back, you know, he's like, nah, dude. And here's why, you know, and like, yeah. that's really awesome because like it, uh, you know, people like that, like can kind of ground me sometimes because I'm a bit of like a dreamer and, you know, like I can get a little wild and loose with how I feel about things or, you know, like what I interpret as manifestations of other things sometimes. Mm-hmm. And um yeah i like having those kinds of conversations with him we got to have him back on at some point i would love to i would love to we've really focused on the fiverr film festival which he also organizes which is like an immersive film festival um in vr and 360 film and all of the different ways to cooler ways to watch um cinema and short films and stuff like that but also does vrto which is incredible mm-hmm. um over at a college in toronto and it's uh you know they've they had they had you know film production crews in there that work on like the mandalorian and star trek and some cool things like that and how they're using vr technology um to to really up the production value and change how movies and stuff are made uh, including like the last airbender new mm-hmm. show that's supposed to be coming so, out so right? first of all it's toronto 
All right. What did I say? Toronto. Toronto. It's Toronto. Toronto. Right. Toronto. I got, okay. I'm looking out for you. Bro. Okay. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah. It's not quite, uh, you, you don't have it quite right either. <laughs> it's yeah. Toronto. It's like Toronto. 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 No, I, no, I can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> Toronto. So it's Toronto. All right. My pronunciation is my pronunciation is right. Okay. As I don't always. care what Blair says. It's Toronto. <laughs> second of all, second of all, um, how long have you been going to that one, Blair? Because I feel like the year before, like this year was kind of like film themed. And then the year before was like almost, I feel like the year we really should have been there where it was like talking about like consciousness and like hallucinogenics and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. Am I right? It was a lot. Yeah. yeah. I, well, actually, I think, I think the year before last was a virtual one. Um, but like the, the last in-person one, yeah, it was crazy. There was a lot of like, yeah. like psychonauts and stuff. Uh, it was really good. Yeah. I've been going since forever. It's like Karim and I go way back, you know, but like on, in the VR scene anyway, um, you know, what's it been, I don't know, 10 years almost. Nice. 10 years. Wow. Jeez. Yeah. Well, Thanks, since man. like, yeah, since the shortly after the Rift Kickstarter, so mm -hmm. late like 2013 or something. Mm -hmm. Wow. I can't believe it's been 10 years since 2013. Yeah, man. That's made me uh, it's, realize how fast time is going. The past decade bro, has just been ridiculous. And like, I yeah. mean, I know that like time is a goofy thing as it is, but like, yeah. I almost wonder if like the lifestyle that we have here in 2023 with like the internet and social media and all that stuff like has impacted our perception of time at all. I mean, it's impossible for me to really know, but like, it almost feels like it has like, since we've like hit this certain era of like connectivity and internet abilities, it's like the years are I just like that, slipping. Like, at least for the last two years, the COVID had a big, uh, a big impact on time perception. You know, it was like, there was a, yeah. a two year gap in time basically. Yeah. For real. Yeah. That did rob us of years. True that. Where we sat in the house and did nothing. <laughs> True <laughs> Which that. is crazy because, like, me and Alex really just really started traveling hard, started to go to all of these things, and uh, and then COVID hit and everything shut down. It was a weird time for VR because it started to pick up some traction and people started really getting interested in it. Things like Half-Life Alex. Uh, were announced. Uh, people wanted to get headsets. COVID hit. Chip shortage just started. You could not get a headset anymore to save your life. You could pre-order these things. It took months and months to get them. And like right when VR started to get like some really momentum behind it, um, COVID just you know grounded to a halt. And you know VR is definitely not the only thing that happened to. Right. But uh, you know it was the thing that I. Stuff started to really pick up right before COVID too, and it was like you know I was looking forward to going to see things in the void, like what they had planned. Like I never got to see any of it. I didn't get to see the Ghostbusters thing, which I would have loved mm. to have seen. And like, yeah, I know a lot of just like VR arcades and and similar things like that. Uh, even there were talks. I was talking to Universal a few years ago about doing stuff in theaters, right? So you go you go to the theater. And then while you're you're in the lobby or whatever, there's there's like an experience that ties in with the game, um, and all that went out the window because there, there weren't even theaters really, right? Yeah, so. yeah, for real. And I worked in in location based entertainment, and uh, I saw that industry just get taken to its knees, and it just yeah. never came back the way um, that it ended when when COVID hit. And 
you know people you know, people are just possibility too you know like even before yeah. covid people were kind of wary of you know just like whatever like pink eye or like yeah. you know just yeah. kind of the the weird <laughs> you the fart... weirdness of sharing <laughs> you farting on your headset <laughs> <laughs> no but you do have kids in there and they're scratching their butt and then they're putting the headset on right like yeah, yeah. Pink eye is weird, man. It's funny. Yeah, it's gross. Pink eye from eye to eye. It doesn't have to go directly from butt to eye. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, that's yeah. what I was doing when I got it. So. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Heard it here first. Yeah. <laughs> Mind Jive, it's good to see you. Mepper, Mepper it's good to see you. Hey, what's all. up, guys? Uh, thanks for coming through. Jay Brad um, as Jay well. Brad, what's up, yeah. buddy? Yeah. How are you? Jay Brad. And Full Dive Gaming also. Thanks for stopping by. Hey. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I really loved being at VRTO. I like, I love intimate events like that where mm -hmm. you really have a chance to connect with people, you know, and, um, that's exactly what happened while we were there. You know, like we got to see a bunch of people who we hadn't really had an opportunity to spend good time with like Zim talk five and, and you and, you know, Ashley and, uh, um stephanie greenall from the tilt five team you know like the whole like canadian like vr brotherhood there's yeah. almost like a like an unspoken like like connection between you sisterhood to be fair yeah well true that true that yeah to be fair it is more of a sisterhood but i mean <laughs> it is. have you guys just seen each other at like canadian vr events over the years Do you have like a like a hidden like canadian vr squad discord that you guys oh, yeah. like connect in yeah no we totally do it, not, not a discord but we have like well, we have our own meetups here. Um, it's like a monthly, I don't know what it's called now. Well, Karim used to run one called VRTO, just just a meetup. Uh, the other one, oh my God, I don't remember what it's called. They changed the name recently. So that it, it, I think it was one was TOVR and the other was VRTO. So the, the second one switched up. Anyway, we've got that <laughs> roughly monthly sometimes bi-monthly tri-monthly yeah <laughs> uh, and yeah we have like uh we have like a group of the cool kids that go out every once in a while uh zim's a recent addition to that um yeah just go out and hang out at like a barcade or whatever that's great nice yeah and like i i will go if there's a barcade and i'm traveling i'm going to that one and we got to go to an awesome barcade in toronto and hang out it's like like the ones with the consoles in them are definitely yeah. my favorites. You Same. know, like it's so yeah. great to just like pass a controller around and yep. stuff, and you know, Sonic Two while we were there or something. Of <laughs> course he did. Yeah, I mean, Robotnik killed me, but yeah, yeah I mean, but I was on the last out. level. You got right up to the end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but since then I have grinded that last level so many times that I'm confident that next time I'm there, Robotnik dies. And and you shamed me in Mortal Kombat. Yes, I believe I do that to yeah. everybody, though. To be fair, like yeah. I, I will always like find the one person who's willing to enter the dojo with me. And I'm my game, man. Like when I was a kid, like you know, I grew up in arcades. Like that was like literally there were like seven arcades in in my general area when I grew up, and I was unbeatable. And now it's like I don't know. You let. 30 years go by <laughs> has it been 30 probably yeah. 30 years like since the 90s uh yeah and i'm like it, it kind of makes me sad now that like i think almost anyone can beat me <laughs> yeah well you <laughs> know i'm not almost anyone all right let's be let's be clear about alex that. alex continues to practice so when we go to these events he can just stomp people and feel real good about yeah. himself you know but like you know when, when i was hanging out with gamer tag uh i made him play me in mortal Kombat, and of course yeah. i destroyed him and then he made of me, course I destroyed and then he made me play him in street fighter and he kicked my ass nice so like nice. you know i'm not like 
you know there's like yeah. there's like those couple of games that yeah. i can get down on you know yeah. and mortal kombat is one of them but uh yeah. it, I'm, I'm by no means a pro i'm sure if there's like a true professional out there i would get annihilated you know yeah i i, I miss mortal kombat that was one of my favorite games of all time and I loved arcades as well. I There was something so magical about walking into an arcade and all the lights and screens and all the sounds blending together from all of the different machines and the sounds of the coins going in and like just like how much higher quality those games were than the consoles that we had at home. Mm -hmm. And it was like, it, to me, when I went to an amusement park, I didn't care about the rides. It just, just leave me in the arcade yeah, and exactly. just come back when you guys are leaving. And you know, I just want to play. Yep. So I would do yeah. the same at like a bowling alley or yeah. like a roller rink, you know, yeah. it's like, nah, I'm good. Mortal Kombat three is over there. So yeah. please excuse me. <laughs> I need to go do that. Um, but that yeah. bar was awesome, you know, and uh, like we really had a chance to connect with you while we were there, Blair. And it was really cool, especially because, you know, you and Skiva kind of disagreed a lot on Twitter before we ever had a chance to meet in real life, even had each other blocked at a certain point, you know, just like kind of getting into it and not really having a chance to actually get to know each other through a 140 character limit on the internet. You know, that's bizarre. tough. <laughs> it is tough to like really get to know people and, and their thought process by 140 characters over the internet with, a, you know, with a, a bunch of people also being able to chime in. It's just hard to like, just talk do you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's really nice to like sit face to face and be like, so why do you feel this way? Well, let me tell you why I feel this way. I think we can put a lot of that on me. Like it seems that I, I get, because I have, you know, of course I'm very passionate about VR and just the industry in general. Like I said, I've been in it for 10 years. I've been a game developer for, I don't even know, like 25 plus years now. Uh, so like I say things on Twitter and it gets people's backs up because they just assume, I don't know, it's like, like I could say something, it, it was probably the case that I was saying something, I was trying to say something about the kind of disconnect between influencers and developers and how it's like, I find it problematic for, as a developer. Mm -hmm. uh, and that, kind of reads as just an attack on influencers or, or content creators in general. Um, mm -hmm. And like, yeah, it, it's, it's too kind of nuanced a conversation to have over, over Twitter. And it, it, it never turns into a conversation because it, it, yeah. <laughs> it, it it's just an argument instantly. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. I say something, I'm very like curt and like, like, yeah, to the point. Uh, like, I don't fluff anything up. Uh, yeah, so, very direct. Yeah, people read it, they just get mad, and I'm, I'm, I think I've gotten a lot better on Twitter. Like, I just. I, I think I think we both established before the show yeah. that you have. Like, yeah, absolutely. You know, communication is a funny thing because we think it's just words, but communication is so much more than words because you say something, and this happens with all different kinds of things. That's why text messaging and emails are also not a great way to communicate because there's facial expression and body language and tone and all of these things that go into proper communication. And, you know, like when you're talking to, let's say, like, a, like you know, like, my ex-wife is the first thing that comes into my mind, right? Because like, because you're always on defense when you talk to certain people, and then you you want to take that in, and you take things in through a certain filter, yeah. right? And then and then it just seems a certain way, and it's really hard to like really communicate properly. So it's really good to sit down. We sat down for hours, I think, and really just literally talk talk through stuff, and like just really get to know, uh, 
you know how how each other kind of felt and thought and um it was really good a con constructive conversations and uh you know i enjoyed it dude and, uh, and i've got to commend you guys both because i really feel like you guys were both so vulnerable you were both so authentic and like straightforward about who you were and like your perspectives and like you weren't like neither one of you guys like beat around the bush or like you know tried to like sugarcoat things like you're saying blair and it was it was refreshing I'm gonna have to just blame the like the Twitter and not the not face to faceness because like mm -hmm. everyone knows Skeev is a great guy. It's a big teddy bear. <laughs> I don't think I don't think people know that about me. Like people just assume, you know, they read my like my bullet point like this is this is what I'm upset about, and they just like they have no idea that I'm a a real person, you know, dude. <laughs> like, and and yeah. you're and you are a sweetheart, brother. Like I even brought with me a a gift that you gave to me when we were in Toronto. It's this book Hagakuri. Hagakuri is that how it's pronounced? I don't know. Hagakuri, the book of the samurai. This is sweet because I've I used to um practice martial arts blair i think you regularly are practicing martial arts right now and this is just like an awesome gesture you know like we like looked at each other after you like presented us with these like tokens of uh of like burying the hatchet almost and then we were just like dude like wow like that is it's a pretty it's a classy move brother i gotta mm -hmm. be honest it's it's pretty cool and this thing is awesome it's just filled with like a bunch of little like notations you know like you can see there's not really like paragraphs it's not written by like as a book it's just like a chunk. It's like a, it's, it's like the diary of one of the last samurai, right? It's, it's dope. Like he just wrote down his kind of like his his tweets. It's yeah, like the it tweet. is. It is. <laughs> These are his tweets. Samurai. Here's a tweet. It says, "One should be wary of talking on end about such subjects as learning, morality, or folklore in front of elders or people of rank. It is disagreeable to listen to." Good mm. tweet, brother. Good tweet. <laughs> <laughs> so that that was great um and uh I'm, I'm really glad that this has happened so but i do think that we are on the cusp of a pretty good conversation right like you know you were tweeting out about the relationship between developers and influencers and you know since then like has your stance changed you know like do you feel differently about it or do you still feel the same you're just like communicating it differently no, I mean, I think I, I, I feel the same. It's uh, it's more of a, I just, uh, I don't have the, the kind of emotional bandwidth to deal with. <laughs> like, I used to read Twitter a lot, right? Also, so I'm having that constant, like, input of things that I possibly disagree with, and then feeling reactionary about it and like feeling like I need to say something and just kind of getting stuck in this loop of like, like that's what Twitter is, right? <laughs> if, if you use it improperly. Yeah. If you use it like that. Yes. <laughs> that's how most people use it though. Uh, I just stopped using it like that. Like I, I hardly read my feed. I just kind of like post and ghost and um, I post just like my tongue a lot more. I, and I, like we have a, we have a kind of, top secret VR mafia discord that's kind of mostly like OGs and, and like, it's just mostly OGs. So I'll, instead of, if I see something that I find super like disagreeable, I'll just paste it in there. And then we can, we can all make fun of it and like talk <laughs> it out without getting 
somebody's backup, you know, like yeah. we can literally like make fun of people behind their back. <laughs> it, sounds it sounds terrible, but it's, it's like, it's so much healthier somehow, you know, it's like, yeah. Well, you know, you are you are a respected figure in the VR space. You know, you are an OG, and we'll dive into a little bit about your history here shortly. That's the ironic part is that, like, if you asked ChatGPT who is an influencer in VR, it would probably name me before it would name most influencers, right? Like, probably. Who call themselves influencers. Like, they're, they're more, like, YouTube content creators, but, like... Like I got, I got ChatGPT to write me a bio. I literally just said, write a speaker bio for Blair Renault. And one of the first things it said was like, he's an influential person in, in VR. And like he used influential and influencer like three times in, in three paragraphs. And yeah. I was like, oh, great. See, even the, even the computers think I'm <laughs> right. So. Well, I don't want to like get, like lose too much in the semantics of like the definition of the word influencer, right? Or the use mm. of the word influencer, because I like, you know, I wouldn't I would never call myself an influencer. Like it doesn't say VR influencer in my in my my bio on Twitter or whatever. You know what I mean? But I'm not a developer. I'm not actively contributing to the creation of these experiences yet. I felt compelled to be making contributions in whatever way that comes naturally for me because I just love the VR space so much. You know, I love the technology, I love the community, and um, like I wanted to be a part of it. So that's why we're like, all right, well, we're gonna make videos, you know, we're gonna do a podcast, we're gonna like make these things, and we're gonna get involved because, frankly, there's like, it's almost like it's not a choice, it's like a, like a, it's like a drive to, to be involved in it. You know what I mean? So, like when does it become a problem i guess is what i want to know you know like you're doing it exactly right and I, I would say the same thing goes for developers you know there's developers that get into vr because they think like i don't know it's like prestigious or they think they can like you know just just port something to vr and be like but then there's and and I would tell them not to do it. I'd be like, don't don't get into VR if you're not actually passionate about it. And the same thing goes for influencers, like there there are content creators. You know, there's people that even after ten years of of like not like they they might be passionate about VR, and that's amazing and great. Make the content, but then to at the same time sort of sort of like feel entitled to the the what comes with being an actual like influencer marketer or something you know like give, give me a key to your game give me like you know i'm i'm promoting you uh like the the, the way that they they communicate with developers just gets our backs up because it's like dude you have 40 views a video and you're making demands on me and making it sound like I owe you something. It's, it's very, it's very like disheartening. It kind of like, it makes, it makes you mad yeah. <laughs> as a developer. Right? So, yeah. so that's kind of, and, and like where you would draw the line, like anyone can call themselves an influencer and, and many people do. Uh, and I guess like, if that's working for you as a business, if somebody's paying you to be influential, then great but uh if you're doing it and kind of trying to hold that over like especially indie developers you know like i've, I've had this uh this 
sort of followed this line of conversation on a couple other podcasts and like you know like there, there are people i know that have basically like bought their way into the the high follower count and the influencer kind of space and then try to charge developers to do content for them mm -hmm. uh and, and like as an indie developer that's that's you know like a lot of people might fall for that they might think like oh this person you know they have x number of followers they're one of the biggest people they want you know like the prices get ridiculous like 10 to 20 grand to do a a thing like a video not realizing that that video is just going out to a bunch of bots and not you know right. it's not it's not helpful um but like uh, most most indie developers don't know anything about marketing, you know, or, or publishing or like all of these. There's a lot of things that got like they sound great as as someone who doesn't know anything about it. But uh, they, they can be quite like predatory and, and kind of skeevy <laughs> if you excuse this. Skeeva! Oh, <laughs> skeevy, bro. <laughs> Um, I, I gotta say that there's so so I I totally understand where you're coming from here. There's also some studios um, that also kind of cycle all of this full circle, right? Because a lot of of the bigger studios will they launch a game, they have a budget uh, to then go out and pay influencers. They also have full lists where you distribute without even asking. They distribute keys. Right. Hey, have a new game coming out. Here you go. If you want to, you know, create content, here's some money. We have this allocated as a budget. Um, you know, we will pay X amount. They divvy it up to different creators to be able to make content to distribute to their audiences for general brand awareness um, and things like that. So sure. after a while, I think some, so there are always all of the different kinds of people in every group, right? So I think after a while, some people just think, well, that's the normal. This is, this is what people are, this is what studios are supposed to do. Why didn't you just come out and give me a key? Why do I even have to ask? Right. And those are the people that I don't like to deal with either. Like I'm not, right. But when, the, when those people have like 20 followers, yeah. it's like, where are you coming from, dude? Like get out of my DMS. Like, and if I have to deal with that, five times a day yeah you know and, and, and or like multiple times from a person sometimes they'll like ask and i just don't respond because it's like it doesn't dignify a response and then they get like uppity and start saying like oh mr big shot like why are you and it's like what are you <laughs> doing are you trying to run a business or are you like just clowning it's so terrible so i you know this is i this is like i feel like like we or I are like kind of in a little bit in this this spot, you know, and like I don't like send tons of messages out to developers all the time trying to get free games, but I absolutely do send messages to developers to get keys for things from time to time. And mm -hmm. like one example that I'm thinking about right now that I'm like waffling on this, honestly, because like I don't want to be that guy, but mm -hmm. also I do want access to things so I can be on the cutting edge of the conversation mm -hmm. so I can like know what's going on, all of that kind of stuff. And like Zenith just got an update. I want to play it on PlayStation VR, but I don't think I want to drop the 30 bucks to do it. You mm -hmm. know, like I will play it on Steam if I can't get access otherwise. But if I could get access, I would love to try it on the PlayStation VR, try it with a new headset and then share my experiences on mm -hmm. the show. But, but 
here's here's the harsh reality of it though is it worth it for them to give you that key well like you want it i understand you want it but but like not not enough to buy it you know well maybe they don't and and that's what i'm getting at like i i personally i think there is a benefit because if i say oh dude i tried this on on steam and on playstation and i'm telling you playstation is the place to get it then maybe that people will turn around and and contribute you know but if i just won't buy it otherwise and they can generate a key and just share it with me like is it is it really any skin off of their back to do that well it's not going to cost them anything to to distribute you that key it could result in even a sale which they wouldn't have had right before um but if you weren't going to buy the, the key is like are you giving things to people and they would have bought them anyway and you're shooting yourself in the foot or are they just not going to play it anyway? You're not going to talk about it. It like, what do you place on value for general brand awareness? Like there's lots of companies that put their logos all over the place and things that aren't relevant at all. Like I remember, you know, uh, meta putting Oculus logos all over the basketball floors and some yeah. of the tournaments and it's just brand awareness. That really isn't their target market because you know, a lot of people that, that go to sports games aren't really gamers there are you know there's there's a certain amount of crossover between sports fans and gamers but that's not typically where that market is but there's something to be said about general brand awareness and trying to sure. become that there's also something to be said about meta's terrible aim when yeah. it comes to their target market you know like they don't it's been 10 years and it still seems like they don't know who their market is they yeah. know who they want but they don't have that. And like, you know, that's a whole other thing. But like, it, I, I get what you're saying about kind of brand awareness, but this is the other thing about kind of where, where indies sit with knowing how to do marketing. You can't just, you can't just give a bunch of keys of your crappy product out and assume that that's going to help your brand, right? You have to, if things are done properly, you don't need to give out any keys. Uh, you know, people will come to you and ask for keys. Or, or No, that's not even right. So the people that it's worth it to make the content for, so, so say a, a big game was coming out and you don't even have a way to contact that developer. Uh, but... So you, you buy the thing because you know that your content will generate views and be good for you. So that means it's also good for them. But if you won't even buy it because you don't think you'll make any profit, like it, it, you're not going to get generate enough views for it to be worth it for you to buy the thing, then it's not worth it for them to give you that key either. Like, I know you think that like, yeah, you might, might make a sale, but it's like, in the grand scheme of things, that doesn't mean anything. Like that's the it, like the amount of time it takes them to generate the key and like talk to you over DMs and stuff. Like it sounds harsh, but it's really it's when you're being bombarded by that kind of stuff, and it, it, it's just not worth it. Like you, you like you literally, I'll pop open people's YouTube and see, and it's like if they're not cracking like ten thousand views per video, it's not worth it. It's just not. It's yeah. Like well, and that's us. Uh, like we're, oh, yeah. we're not cracking ten k. I, can, I yeah. can do a tweet and hit ten thousand people, right? Mm-hmm. So then, and so can a bigger company. So why would it be worth it to 
you know kind of sprinkle it out well yeah so but here's here's my then like like real talk though like you said it's not worth the time to generate a key and send it via dm like how long does that actually take like i, I imagine oh, yeah. it takes a couple of minutes care. Like it's not it's like how long does it take to stop and give every single homeless person on the way down the street some money not that much. <laughs> yeah but it's, it's just not coming out of their day? pocket is no. what i'm saying you know like it, it does it do you have to pay to generate keys is that like cost anything like i feel like no, it's, it's free, generally right? limited and like it's it is a bit of a pain in the butt to go and do yeah it's like mm. you can generate a bunch and then copy and paste them out of a document or whatever but like yeah, it's just, it's not something top of mind because like I said, it's not really worth it. Like it's worth it if like IGN wants a key or like, you know, so, like fine, <laughs> you know. Or worth like, a couple uh, minutes so, though? Like it's, like I said, it's or like, like it's- yeah. or something. But like, this is what I'm saying is like Thrill would never, I would never get a DM from Thrill saying like, hey, can I get a key for your game? Because it it would be worth it for him to do the content so he's not begging <laughs> you know it's like right yeah. it's, it's like it's like part of his business to have to buy games it's like or or whatever that's a bad example because he does mostly like hardware and vr chat but you know it's like for a for a content creator that focuses on games that is successful that is worth marketing with that's 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 a business expense for them it is, and, and you're right. So you could go out and buy the game and then write it off on your taxes. That is definitely a good way to do it. But when half of the developers are more just willing to be like, yeah, cool, here you go. At that point, why would you bother, right? And I have, so I, I run uh, along with um, two other partners, Eric Masher and VR, which has been run a VR uh, marketing company for games and hardware. And we look at, we try to look at data and make good decisions, um, where we can. And, uh, we have seen very black and white correlations between, for example, a TikTok video that hits off and spikes in sales. Right. Um, so there are, there's definitely a side, like, I don't think there's like a one to like a, a, a black and white scenario here where this is all the time this way and all the time that way. I think just like the duality of life and everything in life, there is a spectrum. And depending on, um, depending on the decisions you make, you can sway that spectrum in, in you know, uh, for your sales and stuff in a certain way. But, um, I don't, I don't know that it's just like super black and white. Like you don't, you shouldn't give out any keys. I mean, it just depends on who you are. If you're Sony or like some trip, like rock star, you don't have to. It's yeah. like, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a matter of choosing your battles. Yeah. I, I just so yeah, you yeah. guys understand how, how like flooded indies get. And like, it gets to be just a joke. You know, it literally is like, it's like being, accosted by 70 homeless people every day <laughs> on your way to and from work at a job where you're the entire company you know it's like i don't have time to like i like i would love to help everyone but like it, the, but the ironic part is is they're not homeless people they're people with money <laughs> youtube channel generally as a hobby it's like it's not like <laughs> it's i don't know I, I, maybe so, that's a terrible analogy. Yeah. no let me ask it's, let me ask this what if you had to guess what percentage of vr developers big and small do you think share your opinion on this like is it like is do you think that you're like more radical i guess in terms because we do get keys just 
just sent to us, right? So some yeah. people obviously are willing and, and see a value in doing something like that. But like what percentage yeah. of, of the developers would you say agree with you on this? I think I think it scales with their success. Uh, and like, yeah, like it, I'm sure every terrible, I, I don't want to say that. I would, every person that isn't confident in their product is happy to get anybody to play it right. and like will be out there giving away as much as they can in the hopes that it will generate something for them but like i'm like i said i'm in this discord with a bunch of ogs and they they would all share my opinion in that like it's just annoying to be accosted by youtubers every day <laughs> for, for for keys um yeah, because it scales with, and, and like I think that that's where we're we're disconnecting is like, especially after ten years of seeing the same people. There's like people that have had YouTube channels since day one that still get you know forty to under a thousand views on every video, and like with every new title that comes out, my inbox is full of like fifty YouTubers all doing the same video about the newest game. And it's like you you start to realize that oh it's not like there's no point it's not worth it like everybody is going to know about your game when it launches if it's worth knowing about because the VR community is so small everybody is going to play it on launch day and like it's mm -hmm. more, it's more a matter of like <clears throat> ensuring that your 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 product sells itself than it is getting it in the hands of people yeah because if it's playing they will play it it's not you know. This can de this can definitely be true. I, I feel like I have an interesting. Um, I I get to see this kind of from both sides, right? Because the clients we have, um, a lot of times we manage uh, all of these requests, um, and then what we do, we also get the requests from the developers. So I feel like I'm lucky enough to kind of see both sides of the story to a certain degree. I am definitely not the developer of a game like, like Lo-Fi that's getting a lot of attention, but I have been on the other side for games like Ghosts of Tabor that get a good amount of attention. And I get to see all of what you're saying with an insane amount of DMs coming from everyone. Like, can I have a key? Can I have a key? Can I have a key? Well, you know, and then sometimes, you, you know, some people aren't worth replying to because you you do have to take and try to filter out all the people that are just trying to get a free key and then they don't really even have a channel at all and you know but they're trying to work their way in through some of this through the floods but at the same time um i and i'm not a big youtuber or anything right i like do this podcast you know do little things here and there throughout the community but i get absolutely my dms are inundated with smaller developers begging me to play their game sometimes and i'm like yeah. dude i would love to play your game um i am going to try to fit this in in my work day my parenting schedule with all the other games i have to play um but like so please don't be offended that i can't get to your game but like sometimes i'll go in and there's like 20 30 requests in a day from like smaller developers so like there is like this massive sway in both directions where influencers are inundated with with um people trying to get them to play their games and cover their games because 
You're right. Some some of the smaller development studios don't really understand, especially when it's one person trying to do everything, how to properly market, how to get people to play your game, how to make a game that's good enough that it starts to grow legs and sprout by itself um, or grow roots or whatever. But at the same time, I do see the floods coming in for some of the most popular games, and it is really hard to manage that amount of requests. Uh, if I was trying to actually create the game as well as trying to reply to all these and send out the keys, it would be impossible, right? But you do have you know the bigger studios that have marketing departments, have community managers, have social media posters, have the developers and the people who just make textures and the people who do animations and all the way up and down the scale. And they are like banging out keys to everyone that, without even asking. They have lists, they just distribute stuff. You know, things are coming in. Sometimes so that, that's actually detrimental as well. Like say, say you know, I think I think the the estimates for the size of the VR market are still like way out of whack too. Like so, big studio, whoever makes AAA VR game, sends out say a thousand keys to like everybody. Right, everybody gets a key. They the game comes out. And day one, everyone's playing it on the their YouTube channel. So people get to just basically sit there and watch the entire game. So you're losing customers by that happening, whether whether you like it or not. Like and then they lost a thousand sales, basically. You know, it's it and but like a lot of these games, a lot of like major games come out and don't sell two thousand copies, you know? Like it's it, people people don't realize it's not like it's not like every game is Beat Saber or every game is whatever new breakout title is. And there's a huge drop off on a lot of these, like even the good ones, you know, like I could name 50 games over the last 10 years that were amazing and had huge hype and huge like everything. And after a, a week after launch, you never hear it again. And then you hear like, oh, the servers are going down or something. It's right. It's like... So it like you have to be careful, uh, uh, even as a big studio. Like every sale counts. For... Well, and I, mm. I guess I appreciate your commitment to making a product that just will speak for itself and like doesn't need that kind of engagement with the community, right? Because like you know, Valve didn't distribute keys for Half Life Alex. You know, right. like Beat Saber doesn't give yeah. keys to any. I mean, so, yeah, I guess a little bit. Like, of course not. And why would they? So, like, but uh, like, I think that's the part we're missing is that it's it's not about like the quality of just like my title or Alex or something. It's that's just a general rule. If it's not worth buying, it's not worth. <laughs> like right. trying to sell it well you know? and, and i guess i guess like you know this is like literally like my personal perspective and like i think what has helped me justify um getting keys for games and asking for for keys for games is that like we don't do youtube or content or or reviews or anything like that for money right like yeah. we play as many games as we possibly can so we can talk about them here literally try to like tell people what's good what's worth their time and what's not um but as a content creator that doesn't monetize i mean we do monetize here a little bit it's just enough to like help us kind of keep going we're not earning like our paychecks you know we're not paying the bills yeah. with youtube um and it can get basically impossible to do like i can't buy every game that comes out 
I just can't like my wallet cannot afford it, you know, but I want to be able to continue having conversations with the community at large about all of these things. So like I said, it's like, if I can't get it and I can't afford it and I'm not going to do it anyway, like it would it, would it, I guess you're saying it's, and then I, it wouldn't be worth it to, to, to get content, to get access to the game. Right. Like, like if I hit you up, you're not going to give me a key. Right. <laughs> Uh, well, I mean, you, I would, because just because I know you, and like, s s the you have to use your your brain with it, right? Like, you, sure, like because you you guys have like a a community as well, right? It's not just like the views on your YouTube channel. It's like people respect your opinion. There's a lot. There's a lot of content creators in your in your chat right now. Um, it's fun. Sorry, I got a uh, gamer tag was asking, uh, saying that he doubts that I like content creator channels in general. That's completely false. I I I subscribe to almost every content creator, like VR content creator, and always have. Like even like small guys, like like that have no views. Uh, and I watch them all. Like I, I I'm one of those psychos that like scrolls down to the bottom of the day of my my um, subscription feed on YouTube every day and queues everything up in reverse order and then like watches everything in my feed. So like there are days when like I literally come and a new game is launched and it's just strips of like VR thumbnails of the same game. A lot and, of times the same image. And, and, <laughs> Yeah, in in a case like that, I won't watch all of them. But like, I do enjoy the content. You know, there's there's people that like. I even watch like the the Beat Saber girls. <laughs> you know, they're just like because it's like I like the song. It's like it's entertaining to watch, like a two minute video or whatever. Um, yeah, I follow I follow lots of people. But um, yeah, and it's it's Ashley saying it's yeah. it's R and D years as well. Yeah, and she said, and she also said creeper. <laughs> I think she's called you. <laughs> Love you, Ashley. <laughs> I think here, I think we're we're seeing that just like anything in life, there is no. For me, I, I mean, everything requires its own decision. Um, you don't, you can't just fall on an extreme side of either spectrum. Um, there is definitely pluses and minuses to everything, uh, whether it be giving away keys, not giving away keys. You know, I think I can't imagine even for Half-Life Alex, and like you said, Blair, you know, IGN probably isn't going to buy the game, give him a key, right? There are certain games that, that they only give keys to certain levels of, of, uh, watch time, right? But just another, like uh, another kind of tangent to this is like, you're talking about not being able to buy every game and not being able to play every game. But it's like, that's a good point. Like I could send IGN a key to the game and they're not going to play it. Mm -hmm. Or like, I, I, like people at meta are being bombarded by actual stuff. Like the, the people want to put on the store. They're not playing it. Like the, like, <laughs> so that's the thing. Like the people that are asking for keys are literally your customers. Like they're the, they're the only people that, <laughs> that will possibly buy the game and play it, right? So it's like you're you're kind of and like I want to I want to go back to the beginning and just like say I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with any of this. Like people use influencer marketing to great effect. Uh, 
I just like where we ended up butting heads on it was I kind of voice my general feeling about it and that's it right we're not we weren't having a conversation about it i'm saying for me influencers suck <laughs> like <laughs> you know and like i understand that that's that's like that sounds harsh and it sounds like an attack but it's 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 really just opinion that i didn't get to have a conversation about right well, yeah. I feel like we've reached a good spot on this, you know, like yeah. I I really appreciate your perspective, you know, because like I said, like sometimes I waffle on this stuff, you know, like I don't want to be that guy, but I also want to be like that guy, you know, who is doing all of the stuff, you know, so it's like uh, it could be a fine line to walk sometimes, you know, for people like us, I think um, obviously there's like a, like the more egregious examples of, you know, people buying subs and then selling the content, you know, and all of that kind of stuff. But, you know, a couple people in the chat argued that like, sometimes it's like the micro influencers, or, like the smaller communities that actually like have more of an impact because they like trust those content creators, you know? So sure, um, that's what I'm saying about giving you a key, right? right. It's like, yeah, there's, there's a difference between just your average YouTuber and someone who actually has a community and trust built up. Yeah, yeah. So I do want to shift gears here. Um, Snow Toad, by the way, a long ass time ago, dropped a five pound super chat. Oh, five pounds. Thanks. Five pounds. Appreciate that. And he just said, uh, uh, it's for this the spare mic clamp fund. Uh, <laughs> maybe, maybe I will buy an extra one. And keep yeah, it. you totally could and just leave it here just in case. It's only happened Say twice. Say no more, it's happening. But yeah. That, yeah. that literally will go directly into a spare clamp. Thank you for, nice. for doing that. And then also, um, Soul BC just dropped five between realities. Oh, thank you, Soul. Dude, thank you so much. Yeah, that's really Thanks. badass. Uh, Michelle B, Amelia Faust, Gear. Hey, Critchmar. Whoa, I didn't know you were you're lurking in here. Good to see you, dude. Hey, what's up? And uh, Mr. Survivor. Yeah, they all got hey. those. Hey. So, welcome to the BR crew. All right, now yes. you have to continue to subscribe to that for the next 11 months <laughs> and you never have to give us anything i'm gonna be no. here no matter what you know so please don't ever feel obligated um you know if you do we will try to put it towards things like that in ways that mm -hmm. we can we can use it appropriately so, so blair you you mentioned that you've been a developer for like around 25 years which is pretty crazy to, yeah it's pretty crazy to think about um you know there's like i'm sure there's some people in the chat who aren't even 25 and uh, <laughs> you've been making games for longer than they've been alive and you've actually been a part of some really young so yeah right well that's a good thing you know and i think that's yeah. helped kind of cement you uh in like the, the the influence that you have in the space um but maybe everybody doesn't know kind of what your journey has been like and i know we certainly don't know all the details so do you want to give us like a, a little quick you know history of of your involvement in games kind of how you got into it maybe when you made the switch into vr as well Sure, I'll give you the like hyper abbreviated version because I feel like there's there's a, a lot of videos floating around on yeah, YouTube. We don't need your literal life story, which is what this. Sure. <laughs> uh, sure. Uh, like I said, I, I I pretty much grew up in arcades and always was like super into games and just yeah, video games in general. Just just kind of cool. <sighs> Yeah, I don't know. It's it's hard to explain to people that kind of grew up with games where they are now how mind blowing it was to see like like a cartoon that you can control. You know, it's like so like it always always blew my mind. So um, I kind of dropped out of high school 
or got kicked out of a few high schools and, and uh <laughs> Damn. ended up ended up working retail at a video game store that would be like by today's standards like a retro game store you know it was like early 90s or like mid 90s selling you know everything from like super nintendo to 3do to whatever uh and the guys from rockstar used to come into the store all the time because it was like the best video game store in the city um and you know i like i'd chat them up every time they come in like oh what are you guys working on blah 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 eventually they asked me if i wanted to come in and test a game they were working on because there was only like i think the studio was like 11 guys maybe less less than wow uh, when it started um but back then it was game tech it wasn't it wasn't rockstar hadn't bought them yet um so that game was uh quarantine to the road warrior and uh which is like a post-apocalyptic cab driver (laughs) simulator with sort of like a like a doom type engine um and i played the crap out of that and really enjoyed the the experience of testing and basically when the game shipped i walked into the boss's office and i was like i'm not leaving i'm like i'm like i'll make coffee i'll go get coffee i'll do anything but i'm not leaving nice and he was like that's that's amazing don't they <laughs> so from there i started doing like uh just learning from everybody around me and like i was already a huge nerd and like uh, you know new basic sound editing and like and anything you could do on a computer basic 3d modeling basic everything um but i i yeah watched over everybody's shoulders the next game we had to uh come up with with pitches for ideas and we've been playing a lot of world of uh, no, yeah, no, not World of Warcraft, just Warcraft, Warcraft 2, yeah. uh, had just come out, the RTS, so all the guys wanted to make an RTS, so I came up with, uh, a story with, like, gray aliens colonizing, uh, or, sorry, humans going to colonize Mars and finding out that gray aliens were already there, um, and so we then we had like a good lore back, or backing with the, with the gray aliens and, like, uh three factions right or no sorry only two factions <laughs> the two factions of the humans versus the greys uh and the guys really like i think x files was also big at the time nice and i was like huge into aliens at the time but we ended up like using my my kind of story pitch for it and kind of general things so on that game i did i did sound design i did the multiplayer maps i did some some art and like as things went, I just started doing more and more on every game, right? To the point where uh, I was, uh, I think my title was was technical director, which is just kind of a word for I don't know producer in training, I guess. Like d- knows knows a little bit of everything. Because you started at this uh, company, did you have any coding experience when you started there? Is this did you like pick that up? I as still you can't code. I can't code anything. I like I, I use visual scripting languages. I use like. I, like this is the, that's the thing with like a technical director you need i need a programmer that i can i can tell what needs to be done and be able to interpret what the programmer is saying so that i can do the art and everything right and that's still kind of where i am um but like i learned a lot from those guys about just you know game design in general about like uh, working with other people <laughs> Though i don't know how well that stuck 
Yeah, we ended up doing. Um, we were, Rockstar bought the the office, um, and we I worked on Grand Theft Auto London 1969, uh, which was the first first expansion pack for a game. Like first, it wasn't DLC because you couldn't download anything. This was like <laughs> the internet early days, so it was like it came on a separate disc, and you had to load the game and then pop out the disc and put in the Grand Theft Auto nice. London disc. Uh, and that's GTA that's, one you're talking about. Yeah. So this is like top down, like yeah. Grand Theft Auto. Uh, so I made that entire map of London for that, uh, did sound a bunch of other stuff, but, it, uh, yeah, sorry. I got to mute some discord channels here that are blooping in my ear. Um, yeah. And then I don't know. I, I was there. I was only there for about six, six years and a bit. And like eventually we weren't working on anything. It was like, we were between titles. Uh, we were doing a John Boo license that got canceled. We were doing uh, a world war two, like shooter that got canceled. Um, and I was sort of still, it started to become more officey and like had to be in at nine o'clock in the morning or like nine 30 and like, but it didn't matter how late you stayed and we weren't working on anything. And I started to get like crazy anxiety and basically, I basically quit, but was still at the office <laughs> until they fired me. Um, nice. So, <laughs> hmm? What do they, they call that quiet quitting these days? <laughs> yeah. Which was like, and, and it's fine because in retrospect, like all of the cool people that work there, that's not true. I mean, like the boss was okay and stuff, but the, uh, they, they ended up leaving shortly after I, I left, um, the rockstar Toronto office. I'm sure there's great people there now, but, uh, yeah. So, and then there was like a gap of like, I, I went into web design, I did, uh, VFX for like indie movies and stuff. I did, uh, well, Flash was a huge thing, like Flash web design. Um, I was a mascot. I was a security guard. <laughs> VR came again and I missed the Kickstarter. Somebody like, I don't even know how I came across it. It was like, somebody told me about the Kickstarter and I went and looked at it and I was like, holy shit. Like, sorry, <laughs> VR is back, right? Uh, I didn't know what Unity was. I didn't know what Unreal Engine was. I didn't know that there were game engines like out of the box. I didn't know that that was a thing. Like I literally had no idea that that was a thing. I've been out of game design for like, I don't know, like God, 10, 10 years. Or so by this point, point, have you ever had a VR headset on your head? Oh yeah. So at the Rockstar office, there was, um, we had the VFX one. Uh, it was janky as hell. I, I, I played, um, Flight Unlimited, I remember playing in it, and it was really cool. Um, and as a kid, uh, we had this thing here called the Ontario Exhibition. It's kind of like a it's like a yearly fair thing, but it's it's pretty big. Um, I went there one year, and they had the the virtuality machines. There it is. Um, so I was like, I have no idea how old I was. I must have been like fourteen or something, maybe around there. Um, and I went with my mom and I played a game. God, I always forget what it was called. I think it was like something hunter or something. It was like, it was like an on rails shooter. Uh, so you're just like on rails going through factories and, and stuff and like shooting guys. And I remember I was playing it and I was loving it so much. And I finally died and 
it was like a dream. Like the helmet came up because there was like two dudes working the booth and they're both staring at me like with their mouths wide open. I was like, well, what? What's going on? And they're like, dude, we've never seen anyone get that far before. And I was like, oh, this is it, man. This yeah. is like <laughs> the future of video games. And I'm dope. <laughs> so, like, what I do. But then it like disappeared, right? Like there was yeah. no... I never saw a virtuality machine again. I never saw, like, I saw that VFX one and it was garbage. Um, so when I saw the DK one, I like lost my mind. So I had money saved up because I was poor at the time. I was doing like security work and like part-time VFX stuff. I saw, uh, it was like $300 or something Canadian for a pre-order for the DK one. So I had money saved up from a Second Life store that I started, like just selling like assets that I made. I, I did like a week worth of work making Second Life assets and just left it and it had been accumulating money. So I was like, I'm going to use this money I have in Second Life dollars and buy the DK1. And with that came a um, Unity key, like a Unity Pro license key, like uh, I think just the demo or whatever. It was like a three month or something. No, I don't remember. Uh, and a UE4 key. Or, yeah. No, I think it was just Unreal Engine. They just called it at the time. Um, so I downloaded uh, Unreal Engine first and I tried to make some stuff uh, just for fun, you know, because I, I put on the headset and there was nothing. There was like, there was some cool demos, but it wasn't like... I wanted like if you go back to the Oculus forums and look at like my first post in like early 2014, it's like, where's the cyberpunk love? Like what's happening? Like why, you know, why why am I not putting on the headset and being transported to the matrix? Like you almost so, assumed I, that it would be there. Yeah, or just even the vibe of it, you know, like people weren't weren't really like picking up on that vibe. It was like because I think most of the people who got it were just programmers. They weren't artists. They weren't like designers, you know, they were like super like just nerds, which is great. Like that's what it should be, but we're missing the, the art half. Uh, and I knew I had that art half. So I, I, I grabbed the, uh, yeah, Unreal Engine first and I tried making some stuff, but it all felt very, Unreal Tournament-y, like no matter what I did, everything just felt like Unreal Tournament. I'm sure like it, 100% it's better now, but back then it felt like that's all you could make. Um, and you needed to do C++ also, which is like actual programming. Um, like So I tried Unity, uh, despite everyone's reservations about it, like talking on the forums and stuff. Uh, and I just found like it was amazing. I could just grab all my assets and throw it in there and like literally just make uh, like an environment and, and be in it. And it felt great in VR. So I started making a little demos. I made one called The Room before I knew about the Tommy Wiseau movie. Uh, there was just like a cool environment with like particles floating around in it and stuff. Um, and like the, the community at the time was like, yeah, people would like, you know, a hundred views on their YouTube videos, but they were playing my content and giving me great feedback. And I decided to uh, partner up with the guy I was doing VFX work for and uh, like uh, basically said like, I need you to pay me for a bit while I make this Kickstarter and I'm going to make a game. I'm going to make a VR game. Uh, so I started making Technolus and 
Technoloss kind of started as, um, I don't know if you've seen Dread, um, or the, the Carl Urban version of Judge Dread. There's, there's a guy in that, uh, he's like the security guy, the ginger security guy, and he's basically in control of this whole, like, mega block, right? Um, so the, the Oculus was giving the, the like best practices guides out at the time, which was like what you can do in VR, you know, no artificial locomotion, no like, and so I was trying to follow those guidelines and I built this environment that was like a security desk because I was a security guard at the time too. And I was like, I'm going to make like papers, please VR where like people are coming to the monitors, you're controlling access control of the building, sending security around and doing whatever. Um, but as I built the window to the place and had like the cyberpunk city out the window, I just kind of was like, no, I, I don't care. <laughs> like I'm getting up and going out the door, down yes. the hall, out the street, like into, <laughs> like into the streets. And I just literally built that part out. And I was like, this is so amazing. Like, this is a demo. I'm doing a Kickstarter. Let's go. And and that's what I did. And, like, that was literally the demo. It was, like, just from the apartment to out on the street. Hell yeah. <laughs> I <laughs> love it. longer than I thought it was going to be. How long did it take? <laughs> Sorry. How long did it take? No, I mean... Oh, the <laughs> talk. Oh, yeah. My, my, oh, your know, life journey. story? <laughs> oh, yeah. I was like, okay, wow. So how long did it take you to make it? <laughs> I'm, like, still invested. <laughs> uh, not very long, though. That was probably, like, I don't know. Like, the first Technolist demo? A couple weeks, maybe? Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe a month. Like, I, I doubt it was a month. Yeah. Have you, uh, uh, have you always had an affinity for, like, the cyberpunk vibe? You know, it seems like your, your yeah, games sure. definitely from, have that. Just from, like, being... Like I said, like growing up in arcades and stuff, like that's that was the vibe, you know. Like mm-hmm. you walk in, it's like like <laughs> glow of phosphorus and like <laughs> cigarette smoke in the air, and like yeah, it was like it is cyberpunk. It's like yeah, yeah. And VR, I think, yeah, it's like definitely yeah. <laughs> like inherently kind of has that essence to it. Yeah. So I I totally see the connection, and uh, I don't I don't blame you for using that as kind of like a creative uh you know yeah yeah well technoloss was one of the very you know one of the the first really uh, beautiful experiences in vr i mean you know everyone was kind of trying new things and seeing what was going to work and there was a lot of demos and a lot of this and that but you know technoloss was definitely one of those uh that everyone kind of knew you know so uh, I think that kind of led up to everyone's excitement for for lo-fi because uh, everyone I think wanted wanted a little more and uh, uh, it, it looks like you know you obviously wanted to give a little more when it came to these you know beautiful worlds um, in this type of environment. So when did you start? What was the thought process behind you know you already made one cyberpunk type you know world? Um, how did you decide you were going to go into this next one? So it was kind of weird. I just, I was kind of just, I kind of gave up on VR after, you know, the CV1 launched and it felt like such a fizzle compared to the years leading up to that, you know, like 2014, 2015, even like, yeah, I'd say those two years. VR developers felt like rock stars, you know? Like, we were going to Oculus Connect in, in like, like smack in the middle of Hollywood at the Lowe's Hotel, 
partying with Palmer Lucky on the roof of of the hotel and like sipping champagne and you know we thought we thought like VR is gonna come out and that's it everyone we are we're the homebrew computer club like Steve Jobs is in here somewhere you yeah. know and then it came out and it sold less units than the DK2 did you know it was like <laughs> like all the people who bought it were developers you know it wasn't it didn't it didn't it, it was like the exponential curve in reverse <laughs> so oh was, man which is like, which is wild because okay, I felt like I felt like I, I couldn't understand for the life of me why anyone could put on a headset and not feel exactly the same way right this was going to go through the roof everyone was going to want to play games yeah, yeah. this way so it was a pretty wild thing to see headsets though that's the problem right yeah. like you were so you know they put on a cardboard and barfed and like yeah. <laughs> exactly. anything so and yeah. like it was still is still expensive at whatever it was it was like i think the riff one was what like 450 or something no it was more than that it was like five I, I don't know whatever it's still expensive and, and it didn't even have hands hand controllers right. yet but it was understandable but it was just like it was uh, so i was sort of in a slump i knew i still wanted to do it and i was still you know still believing it as a medium and like to this day it's like you know it is what will take us to the holodeck there's things we, we, we can experience in vr that we can't do otherwise you know like just experiencing like scale and awe and like like experiential learning and stuff like that like there's things that you're just not going to get any other way unless you're transported magically to some other world yeah uh so i think it was unity was doing like a like a contest i was still like keeping up with unity like i was like like i love this engine i, I want to keep making games obviously and probably vr games but i didn't know what uh and they did a like a it was a contest called neon uh where they just wanted you to use they had this like cinematic camera uh editor so you could you could build out like a timeline for cutscenes. so they were basically testing that and they were doing a contest so you you, you make a little movie that's all a real-time unity clip so i was like uh, Blade Runner 2049 had just come out, and I was like, I really want to try and recreate the that flying in front of the Atari sign with the with the um, in the in the what, what do they call it that the spinner. Um, mm -hmm. So so I, I I started just like messing around with like uh, better aesthetics in Unity and trying to make something that looked really cool. And I, I made something that was kind of crappy like for that contest, but it was the spark for lo-fi i was like oh man like i can i can really nail this the vibe of this world that i've i've always wanted to create you know so i just i just dove back into it and i was like yeah i could probably run a kickstarter i can probably like yeah and i just went into it and it's kind of knowing it's a different thing like i learned a lot from from technolust especially about vr you know like the first thing you do in technolust is the, there's a a kind of very obscure puzzle to solve uh which is terrible that's a terrible idea for vr right so i was like and then i realized after playing other people's stuff too i was like i hate puzzles in vr because especially like if they're just fluffing up a narrative experience or something because 
once you get frustrated and take that headset off, like the chances of you putting it back on and going back to that frustration point are zero. Like they're not just low, they're like literally zero. So I, I've been trying to design something that's like completely like what a holodeck would be and that, you know, a holodeck wouldn't do that to you. There's always a contingency. There's always something else you can do. You're in control of the experience, right? Like, which is super lofty and sounds crazy, but it's not that different than something like a Skyrim or a, you know, like like open world games do this already. You don't have to do the the main quest. You don't have to do a puzzle. You can you can kill the guy that's trying to get you to do the puzzle and steal the key from him and yeah. do whatever. So. <laughs> So I, I kind of started working on uh, like a uh, a philosophy of VR design, like without listening to other people, without listening to like best practices, without listening to like what you know, uh, like <laughs> like Denny from Cloudhead tells me I should do, uh, <laughs> which is fine. Like I, I get that he found success in what he's doing, and I I, I love that for him. But uh, I'm trying to do something different with VR. I'm trying to like elevate it to where I feel it should be, which also sounds super like, <laughs> like, I don't know that I can do it, but I'm trying. Well, that's, yeah. and that's, I mean, I don't, yeah, that's what needs to happen, frankly, I think to push the envelope and push the boundaries and to, you know, give us some more uh, like groundbreaking experiences rather than just these like typical kind of like cookie cutter, bang them out. Like, yep, you've seen these mechanics mm -hmm. before kinds of experience I, I, I don't know that it will ever be pop though and i don't i don't really care like i was talking to somebody uh and they're asking about like money if somebody would give you a bunch of money would you would you do something that you knew was gonna suck and it's like no i don't i don't care like i don't i would rather i would rather like do something that i am proud of and like think is where things need to be and and like fail financially, then, then yeah, then that's art, dude. I don't know. That yep. that that you are an artist. <laughs> like yep. only an artist yeah, well, would say that. That's exactly it, though. I think I think I think most artists would would do that. But it's like it's 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 a different kind of art too. You know, it's it's not like it's not like I'm just painting a picture. It's like I'm I'm also moving with this this industry and this technology, trying to make sure that like that is good and where it needs to be you know yeah does anybody also why i end up getting getting you know people angry at me because i'm very opinionated about that kind of stuff like well and and again like i i mentioned earlier i appreciate like your you guys like how you guys were vulnerable when you guys met each other like i think that there's a certain amount of vulnerability that comes in expressing your opinion like i don't use twitter to express my opinion i have a podcast and i've like reserved my opinions for when i'm speaking here on the show um but i have t there's been times where I've, I've deleted i've probably deleted dozens of tweets over the years because like i go to weigh in on something and then i'm like uh do i really want to express my opinion on this i don't know there's a certain amount of vulnerability that comes with that mm -hmm. you know and i and i like back off of it so it takes some like bravery and vulnerability i think to be willing to openly express yourself on such a public platform like twitter and i think it's personally i think it's commendable so shout out um but i need to ask does anybody have a heart out in in five minutes because there's a little bit more i want to get into if we can yeah same i i mean i can go a little longer what about you blair yeah, i'm good what I'm about you good. what about you chat 
Every, every, you guys got a heart out? Anybody want to keep the conversation going for a little bit? We, we normally pull the plug around this time, but I haven't gotten to everything that I want to get to, mm-hmm. which, you know, so, rapid, rapid fire session. Yeah. Well, yeah. and for the record, like this is like one of the more prepared, I think like we've been in terms of like what we want to get into on chats. Like sometimes yeah. like we start episodes, we literally do not know what we're going to talk about. Mm-hmm. And we just let it happen. But this time we're like, all right, we got to ask about this. We yeah. got to know about that. <laughs> like, Yeah. You know, I, I have always from a long time ago i saw before i had any idea who blair was or anti-cleric i remember seeing i mean i i had played a little bit of techno lust and i really enjoyed it i didn't know who made it at the time i didn't you know didn't really look into it but i remember seeing um an influencer play an early build of lo-fi and i just immediately i found out in their description that i could go and buy into the early access of this and i did right so um so that to get a sale. So before I never, I never asked for a key or anything. And I, I just wanted to see this world as quickly as possible. Cause I thought it was absolutely gorgeous. I couldn't believe what, what I was seeing, uh, because as, especially at that point, we didn't have a whole lot of games that had this kind of detail, this like triple a, you know, type of type of world with all of these little intricacies throughout the world that just really sold you on where you were. So, so I immediately got in there and I was, I was absolutely floored. Um, now the world was, was beautiful, but it was almost like dystopian as well, because you got in there and there was this, this massive city and all of this stuff, um, everywhere, but there was no one in it, right? Because it was very, very early back then. So there's this, you have this incredible aesthetic here. How, uh, what's the plan to turning this into, into a game? Like, what will you be doing in the world of lo-fi, uh, once you, uh, once this game's released fully? Uh, well, so the idea is anything you want, you know, like, mm-hmm. the, uh, of course there's, I think when people say like, what's the game or I get a lot of people saying like, like, yeah, what's the gameplay loop sort of thing. It's think about something like Skyrim without the main quest. I mean, or like the main quest, but not a finish to the main quest. Like in, so in lo-fi, you, you're the replacement for a a sheriff that's dead in this district. Um, So one of the first things you can do is figure out what happened to him. And through that, you'll be led through the world to meet all the other characters and see all the other places. But there's not necessarily a resolution to that. Like, it's not like you win. You see, you, you, you solve the crime. No, the guy's still dead. You're still the, you're still the new sheriff. Right? So what I'm trying to do is give you enough things to do and make the world deep enough that you just want to go in and do something you know like whatever that is that you're you enjoy doing so whether it's you know doing um like uh what are called decommissioning miss uh, missions where you go in and like kill androids and collect their their bounties or you could you know just go fishing and try and catch all of the fish and decorate your apartment with stuffed fish or like do whatever you want you can go to the arcade and try and save up enough tickets to get an arcade machine for your house or like yeah i just want people to really feel like it's their 
holodeck experience they're they're doing like there's there's no backstory for the character aside from what you want it to be like aside from this is your job whether you want to do it or not you can go in every day and collect your ubi <laughs> you know <laughs> you can be you can be a good cop if you want to you can go and like arrest people for crimes but then if you want to be a bad cop you can go to the cryopod that they're being held in and sell their organs and flush the rest of them out the, at the door you know um but like i really want to to play with that kind of gray morality too where um you know it starts off with sort of a uh, like a um a psychological evaluation that asks you um just like trolley problem questions you know like in this situation where there's not really a good outcome what do you do uh to kind of prime people for that mode of thought that that's what life is like you know there's not always like the right decision it's it's the or the wrong decision it's you know you you can do what you want so so like in in the example of the um the decommissioning contracts you you get them from this guy at at the metacorp tower who hands out the contracts right they'll only give you one a day uh and if you want you can do that and kind of become friends with him and learn more about him and what his story is or you can kill the janitor find in the vacuum that he sucked up the guy's key card access the computer and get as many contracts as you want uh or you could kill the guy and take his his key and and like read his emails and find out like oh my god he's his like his a wife and daughter are jacked into the platform and he can't find out where they are and he's like he's doing this to try and like you know like there's always consequences but they shouldn't be like like they should just be moral consequences you know it's not like you you die and the game's over it's it's you find out something that like makes you say oh maybe i shouldn't have done that <laughs> or like or like i feel bad for that or i feel good about this or like <laughs> yeah i mean i, I think love... what a holodeck program would be right you don't die in a holodeck you, like you know no 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 one ever walked out of the holodeck and smashed the keypad because they wanted a walkthrough or they got stuck on something you know it's <laughs> right. like, there should always be something you can you can do and still feel empowered and and like like you have agency in the world and you're you can change things i personally love stories and characters that are like ripe with moral ambiguity you know like there are moments where you're like i love this guy that's what real people are yeah exactly and then i can using the example of the hollow deck like do you think that i mean because i mean I, I haven't seen all star wars so sorry star wars fans if this is like sacrilege or something but i or star trek sorry <laughs> star trek um i haven't seen all the star trek stuff but like i imagine with something like the holodeck where i can just speak into existence a certain experience i can probably like proof that to like prevent me from feeling bad you know like in star in star trek do they ever like do something in the holodeck and then like after like everything fades away he's like oh god why did I do that? That was that was a messed up experience. I just did. I, I bet you they have, but you know, in 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 that world in that lore, they must have. I know there are things that I would do in a holodeck experience. I would never come yeah, out and hear that, that in the that, show. That, 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 that post nut clarity, you're like, oh boy. 
<laughs> Maybe that was morally. Uh... <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't have done that. But think about, th- think about the things that that people get upset about being done in in like Grand Theft Auto, right? Like, yeah, yeah that's that's a problem. But like, I, is it a problem? It's not. It's not up to me. I, I'm really interested in like keeping metrics for this sort of stuff. You know, like so there's 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 like robot prostitutes in the game and like if you want to you can you can commission them for a service uh and like they only take crypto but like some things can happen when you do that you know it's like that's not without like consequences you know uh but usually it, it could be I guess everything's sort of grim, though. There's not really like happy consequences to anything. <laughs> it's just my like my jaded, bitter nature coming through in my art. Uh, but yeah, like I don't know. I, th- I, th- I think there's a difference between feeling like any feeling you can get from fiction is generally welcome. It it, oh. it, it, it heightens the experience. You know, it doesn't need to be. It doesn't need to be happy. Uh, like just feeling like anything bro i'm sna- i'm snapping my fingers in the back row right now man like that is in my opinion that is like the that is art that is what art is for it's like to make you feel something to elicit emotion you know and it doesn't always have to be happy like my favorite music in the world is usually like the saddest you know or like the most like intense you know like i love like really melodic brutal death metal you know and it doesn't elicit this feeling of like happiness you know like (laughs) you know or like uh like post-rock instrumental groups that are just like pulling at my heartstrings in their instrumental songs like that is my favorite stuff and it's not because i like feeling sad it's because they're doing such a good job with their art that like i can't help but feel some you know mm-hmm. same with like a well-executed horror movie you know what i'm just yeah. like freaking out i'm like man this was good <laughs> <laughs> you know like i felt something there or like um what's that one movie with jared leto uh requiem for a dream like i only needed oh, to see wow. that movie once yes you know what i mean but it was yes. great like it was it made you feel something you know and it, that's beautiful that that's art I mean, just, just flying around in the car in this and parking and going and walking around and makes you feel just from looking around at this in, in absolutely intense, amazing, beautiful world um, that you're in in lo-fi. So it definitely so, brings that out. That's also a huge part of what the game is, right? Like, this is VR. I want you to feel, like, awe and and, like, sense of scale and just like those are feelings too you know like like just just staring up at like cars flying over your head and massive buildings and like seeing the smoke and the light like these are things that that like you're not going to get any other way totally this this is like it's, it's really important that vr kind of evokes that stuff Totally. This is this is a conversation that I would just love to be able to pull Andrea Ian Koshikoru into. Oh yeah, because yeah. she's like a yeah. VR architect and like is like and a real life architect. Yeah, and a real mm-hmm. life architect, and she's all about that idea of like being able to create spaces that can't or don't exist in the real life, and then observing like what emotions or feelings just occupying that space can elicit. You know, which mm-hmm. I think is really really fascinating. Yeah, absolutely. You know, there's you're, you're walking around as of right now. You're walking around this game, and there are a lot of uh, androids and a lot of robots that that are using, I'm guessing, artificial intelligence, or at least in in this future world, these are like AI beings, right? We're we're in a weird point um, in the world right now where AI has 
is starting to take over like we're actually seeing this happen you know i mean you know there's not robots coming and killing us all but we we have real use and real actual artificial intelligent applications now that we can use to create all kinds of things um so it's so we're starting to see the beginning of this world form that you are um showing here in your art and in your game um have you considered and i think you have because i've seen tweets uh about this but um have you considered using um ai um like real life AI to be able to have conversations or, or where do you see AI going uh, in the future yeah. of VI, VR games? I think the, like the, the most important thing for what I'm doing is to kind of, you know, they say that good, good sci-fi is sort of predictive, right? Um, well, not necessarily, but it has like a predictive aspect to it. It, it. Whether that be like a warning or, you know, it's, 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 it's plausible. Plausible, yeah. So, like in in the world, there was there was an AI singularity, like what we might be seeing right now, right? Where where the machines develop a certain amount of intelligence. In in this world, they the hyper intelligent ones sort of walled themselves off in their own area of the city, and no one really knows what's going on. They they're not communicating with people, um, and then all the human level intelligence or below robots are just kind of wandering the streets uh without much to do because the humans are all jacked into vr or whatever um uh, so yeah so there's that there's that aspect of it of like like what's what are plausible scenarios for for what will come of this stuff uh but then there's there's actually using it for production, of course. Like I, I like that's another one of those things that I might get backlash on Twitter about is like using using these tools as they come in to as much effect as I can. So I'm I'm using Midjourney. I, I was up all last night using Midjourney making making new uh, mug shots uh, for for citizens that you pull over in uh, in the flight areas. Uh, just because it's improved so much, I'm like replacing some of the crappier ones from earlier iterations of, of Midjourney. Um, I'm using GPT to like help me write. Uh, it's not it's not writing anything like that. I'm using verbatim. Like it, I wouldn't allow it to like write dialogue for me or anything. But it, it's good for kind of brainstorming with and coming up with ideas and kind of um, what's the. Uh, yeah, it's it's good as like a like an editor, uh, kind of a like a, a general writing partner. Um, I, I I love the idea of having it actually in the game that you could communicate with, but I don't think we're there yet. Like it's 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 a cool tech demo. I know uh, Lee from Alien Trap has shown some really cool stuff with um, with NPCs driven by Chat GPT, but the, there's like there's issues with having to like pay for the license i don't even know if it's it's like legal to do that in a game right now um uh there's there's time issues there's there's you know you ask a question you're gonna have to wait for the response for a couple seconds and then you get this kind of janky emotionless uh response um because gpt doesn't know what emotion to convey in a voice right so i think it'll get there eventually like all of this stuff is is like yeah, we will have that holodeck eventually. It's just, you know, how 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 
what can I leverage now to get as close to that as possible without without making it worse? You know, like I think I think having a bunch of Jet GPT NPCs in the game right now would would make it worse. Right. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do that. So yet. do you do you personally think that using AI to like generate mugshots and stuff like that is morally ambiguous? Like, have you like kind of gone back and forth on that and be like, uh, like there's yeah. no you. Hundred percent. Okay no. I, I, saw, I saw somebody the other day. It was funny. I post, this is one of those things that I I dunked on somebody in the Discord because I didn't want to do it on Twitter. But this guy made this awesome uh, like cyber deck 3D animation. Uh, of like the this like the screen pops up and folds out and then the keyboard comes up and it was just like a 3D animation and I was like oh this is cool I looked at his bio and he's got the he's got like no AI or no to AI in his in his bio but then I went back to that tweet and I go down one tweet and it's like this is the this is the uh, cons or the the images I use for reference for this and it was just pictures that somebody had made on like deviant art or whatever of the exact thing just not moving and i'm like so this motherfucker <laughs> yeah <laughs> so he, he's like no to like like art isn't derivative and it all comes like real artists but like he's literally just stole his concept from another artist crediting them after the fact like after he did it and posted the thing on twitter and got some like you know traction on it but it's like that's art that's what art is 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 like like taking everything in and breathing it back out with new life you know it's not it, it like it's amazing that computers can do this and like like i feel like like pride <laughs> about it about using it i don't feel guilt i'm like this is like this is amazing and it's especially amazing for people who don't have those abilities intrinsically and it's not going to stop people from making art like it's like the the drum machine didn't stop people from using the drums you know it's like yeah. <laughs> I can flip a switch on a drum machine and have it play a beat, but like, like if you want like soul and stuff, you still need you need the artist, you know, like you need the artist to control the prompt. True that. I, I could like I could rave about, <laughs> about my feelings on this, but it's another thing that people will get angry at me about, right? Like, wow. well, I have a Deviant account, a Deviant art account, or art station account, and I've never made money from my art, and it's stealing. So I want you to pay me. It's like no, that's not. <laughs> That's not how this works. How it works. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you know, it's kind of cool. Like every season of Between Realities, we always like do an aesthetic change on our thumbnails. And, you know, like we've done other different changes, but like one of the biggest changes between our seasons is just the aesthetics of the thumbnail. It like kind of separates them all. And in mm -hmm. the past, we've like, I don't know, taken a couple of different approaches, gotten some like free, like, uh, you know, license free art here or there, or like did a little Photoshopping to make something happen. Um, but not this time, right? Yeah, this time we used Mid Journey to create the background they see in thumbnails. And, uh, and, and, you know, I, I couldn't agree more with you here that, that what art is, is a collection of things that you have seen that resonate with you that you, you, you get inspiration from and then you create your own thing so that's this is what's happening with the computer it's looking at all of this art it's taking an inspiration from that art and it's creating something that it hasn't existed before so this is a computer doing what people do in a way 
right? Yeah. Um, so it's it's really interesting. This whole debate is going to get more and more fiery as this stuff gets better and easier to use and cheaper um, uh, from, you know, because it's going to start replacing it's eventually we'll start replacing jobs of, you know, uh, uh, initially it'll be the people who are able to utilize AI correctly will then be able to have, you know, uh, it'll be a whole different shift of, of where people will work and, and a skill and a job place uh, until it eventually gets so good where you just speak things into existence. Right. And then a lot of those jobs will, will go um, to the wayside, but it's going to be a really, we're in a really interesting point here. We've, we are, there have been people in history that have gone, you know, there's been generation after generation after generation that has lived and survived these times that they've seen no technological advance, right? Hundreds, hundreds, of thousands of years where nothing has really changed that much. And we are in a place now where we've seen, you know, computing, internet, um, we've seen virtual and augmented reality and now the rise of artificial intelligence. I can't think of a time where like, so many things have happened in one generation of people and it's just a lot to take in and so there's a lot of discussion that'll be happening uh, about all this stuff and um, it's just fascinating I am personally so happy to be alive during this time I mean it's Amen. just unreal but um, yeah I don't know what's going with that <laughs> no, you went there we arrived at the destination you agree that it's like a, a great thing it is yeah. it like, really, can, truly you, is. can you guys help me understand how it's like so it's a computer that's doing this right like you put in a prompt it searches grabs a bunch of examples of things that match those keywords amalgamates them and spits out a good no, version that's not even what it's doing you're wrong already okay well good because I, I, I want to have a better understanding because it, I don't know how you can put in the same prompt over and over and over again and can just continuously get new images. It's like, super complicated. It's super complicated. It's like it's like trying it's it's kind of it's like remember trying to explain crypto or like having crypto explained to you? It's like just don't don't bother. It like <laughs> it, it makes it makes more sense to analogize it like like we're doing. I think to say that it's it's very similar to what a human does. You know, it's like you like I might have seen your art and it's in my head, but I don't have a perfect representation of that art. But if you ask me to draw that art twenty times or ask twenty different people to draw that same art using what's in their head rather than looking at the actual picture you'll get a bunch of different interpretations of it, right? And, and what it's doing is, is very similar to that, using like diffusion and like very complicated methods that, but like we don't understand how our brains hold images either, right? It's more like yeah. we hold like representations of things rather than actual pixel perfect um, right. Well, they're... unless you're like, you know, there's like savants out there that can draw an entire city from memory, like, <laughs> like, yeah, like to scale every window of every building, yeah, yeah. you know, like that it blows my mind. Like the, mm. the, the capabilities of the human brain is yeah, it's fascinating. Wild. It's pretty wild. It is. But we're in a, we're in an interesting time. And I personally cannot wait to see because eventually, you know, we're going to get to a place where we can just speak with using artif you know, artificial intelligence uh, along with virtual reality. We will be able to speak existences 
in, into existence, like the holodeck. It's right? close. We're getting, we're going to get there. I don't know that it'll be fully done by the time I die, but it's going to happen. My kid will most likely be able to put on some kind of headset. Maybe she won't need a headset at all and say something and have, and just speak a world into existence. And it's really super exciting. Yeah. I think. I think it's going to come a lot sooner than you think. Like, I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I want to see this as much as I can. I've only ever wanted to exist eternally for one reason. And that's really to, to see like where technology goes, totally. where, where is the species going to go? Like, how are we creating, uh, the world and, and history in, in front of us? And it's all fascinating to me. And I would love to be able to stick around only to see the progression and, and where we end up. Um, so yeah, fascinating stuff it really is technology, dude. So yep. I want to start wrapping this up, but I do have, I think I just have like one more thing I want to ask about. And that is, uh, anti-cleric, the, 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 the handle, tell us about that. Yeah. Uh, so I used to, well, I went through this kind of like, like hardcore atheist phase, um, which I think a lot of people did that were on the internet in the early 2000s. Um, And I was volunteering for this place called the Center for Inquiry. I was on their uh, board as a multimedia guy. I was doing like, whatever, all their multimedia stuff for the YouTube channel and stuff. Uh, And I just needed an email address that would go with the the theme (laughs) for for like work and stuff. So it was... um, the idea is that it's like it's like the opposite it's not like anti-cleric like it, it kind of is but it's it's more like uh like clerics represent dogma right and like like firm dogmatic ideas and it's it's kind of the opposite of that it's like open open-mindedness kind of Man, don't don't ask people about their handles. That's such a goofy thing. I don't, I don't. <laughs> well, but but I'm I mean, forced to type it in when I want to tag you into into my video <laughs> today. So the one before that was worse. It was like like you know teenage kid on on like <laughs> I'm not even gonna say what my old handles were <laughs> like BBS day handles. Um, uh, but yeah, it's 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 good because it seems to be pretty pretty safe to use. Like it's it's you know. I seem yeah. to be the only one. Yeah, I feel you. I mean, you know, I've I've said this a million times, but like when I realized I was going to get into making content or being a part of this community, I like really waffled on my on what I was going to go by. Like I I literally thought about it for weeks, and finally I was like, dude, like I want to get involved professionally, and I don't want to have to like reintroduce myself to people after they've gotten to know me as something else, you know. So I'm just going with Alex. I'm Alex that's it you know what i mean and i've like had i no one's ever going to ask me where my handle came from you know (laughs) Uh, there's something to that but there's also something to sort of like branding right it's like yeah i don't know i don't know how many people know me by anti-cleric rather than than blair but yeah (laughs) Yeah. which is kind of opposite for me uh you know i got my nickname skivo when i was in like middle school and it always stuck and became a gamer tag and then you know, just what I've always been called. And even, even in professional meetings at my job, 99% of the time I'm introduced as Skiva and just known that way, That's you know, so, so I've funny. just kind of taken that on as my identity, but I'm not like, I don't love my name either. Do you know what I mean? So like, I'm not like, Oh, I'm replaced. It's just kind of like my own self. 
branded identity, I guess, something that I, you know, I guess I disliked a little better. Well, and it wasn't so, a self-given name either, right? Right. Like somewhat like it like was a nickname that yeah. people started calling you and yeah. you just stuck. I'm, I definitely wouldn't use nicknames that people started calling me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> people, uh, somebody mentioned the, the clerics, the tetragrammaton clerics in yes. equilibrium. Movie. Oh, uh, love that movie. That's definitely. The, I, I was probably vibing with that at the same time. Also, I know my my PlayStation account for a while was Tetragrammaton. So nice. So. Anyone out there that has not seen that movie, Equilibrium, go yeah. watch that immediately. That yeah. came out around the same time as The Matrix, and The Matrix <laughs> kind of snuffed it out. I remember right, but to me, Equilibrium was just as good of a movie. Nice. Like it was so good. It, unbelievable. Very, like, it's like 1984 meets awesome gun fights yeah. meets like meets like brave new world also it's very similar yep. like yeah yeah it's phenomenal great. It's movie fiction it's, it's yep. amazing it is it is. I'm going to add that to the short list and watch that as soon as possible you should um and I'm also going to end the show you nice. know it's uh, I Blair, thanks for for coming on. First of all, second of all, thanks for going the distance and kind of mm -hmm. doing a little bit of a longer uh, episode with us. Um, this was something that we've been looking forward to for a while, and uh, I think this was fantastic. I think we've really had a great conversation here today, and uh, we really appreciate your time and your contributions to the VR space. You know, I know it's uh, sometimes it looks bleak. You know, maybe you have like a like a you know you can uh, portray like a, some jadedness from time to time, you know, but we're all still really, really optimistic about it. And one of the reasons is because there's people like you out there, like putting in the time, putting in the effort and treating it like art rather than just uh, a business or whatever. So thanks a lot for all that. Thank you. Thanks. Yeah, absolutely. Everyone, mm -hmm. please say goodbye to Blair Renault from Lo-Fi and Techno Lust and Grand Theft Auto. <laughs> <laughs> See Bye, you, dude. Blair. See you at AWE. And boom, he's gone. Just like he that. Gone. Never to be seen again. See you later. Hey, mm -hmm. And thank you all for tuning in for the live episode, you know, or maybe you're catching this on your favorite podcast platform, Spotify, whatever. Uh, maybe you're watching this on UploadVR.com because we are indeed partnered up with UploadVR. Um, however you've decided to tune in and, and watch or listen to this, thank you so much for your time. You know, two hours is a pretty good chunk of time. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, it's like insane that we have so many people tune in for that long. And uh, it really means a lot to us. So thanks for, for putting some wind in our sails and, and allowing us to do this show and, and uh, tune in because ultimately, you know, the participation from everyone in chat really does make this a better experience, I think. You yeah, know, I especially love for us. Especially so thank for you us. for being there. Yep, absolutely. absolutely appreciate you. Um, I'm going to just say thank you, like I said, to everybody, uh, just kind of as a blanket statement because we're about to hit that two-hour mark, so I don't want to spend too much more time here. Um, but this was really awesome. It was. It was phenomenal. And next week's going to be really good, too. We have a uh, special guest coming to you. And this is going to be more of uh, a Between Realities episode that maybe uh, uh, maybe we're into from the first couple seasons where we really dove in. We really dive into, like, reality and consciousness and things uh, like what is, you know, what is reality? What does all of this mean? And it's going to be really cool. Tino is a really, uh, you know, he's very one of those thinkers like a like a Karim or a or a almost like a can buy type right that it's really going to be an interesting one so please come on by join in on the conversation as we dive into vr with who kind of tino tino 
Yes. Tino Trong? Yes. And I wish I could remember his company name off the top of my head, but uh, uh, I'll be putting out updates out there on Twitter and stuff. So this is going to be a good one. Cool. For sure. Like and subscribe. Yep. Hit us up on Twitter. Hit us up in our Discord. Link is in the description below. I'm going to be playing Zelda all weekend, so don't look for me, but you know Skeev is going to be in the headset. And uh, I'm Sunday, sure. I'll be definitely playing some Ghost of Tabor. So hit me up if you want to get in and do some raids. Uh, nice. Yep. Nice. Love you all. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Between Realities VR podcast. <laughs> and we will see you in one week with Tino Trong. Have a great weekend, everyone. See you next time. Bye-bye.